You're listening to the Live Church Livonia podcast, a show where you can hear the teachings from our weekend gatherings. You can catch the full service on our Facebook or YouTube and head over to our website if you'd like to give. Here we're real people following a real God and experiencing real life. Welcome to Life Church Livonia. Good morning, Life Church Livonia. It is so good to be with you. You might be asking, who are you? Um, I'm Pastor Josh from Life Church Southfield, and every, all of the Life Churches, or most of the Life Churches, which there's five, are, are in this series together, which is so exciting that we're doing a, a, a church-wide or a group-wide series together called the Second Act. And so I'm, I'm, you know, I've been with you a few times. This is for me. This is a family reunion. I love this kind of stuff where I can get together with the other Life Churches and see how the bigger family is doing. So I'm excited to be with you. I am also excited about the fact that we're doing this church-wide series. And then I'm just excited that we're in Nehemiah talking about this um, series called The Second Act. And if you're with, if you're a guest with us this week, I want you to know that we're in the third week of this series called a, The Second Act. And just so you have an understanding of what that means is, is in a movie or, <clears throat> or, you know, sometimes shows, there's a first act and a second act. And that second act always means that the story's not over yet, right? That whatever happened in the first act is not the um, final say that there's an opportunity for things to get better. There's an opportunity for things to get fixed. And so we're in this series called a second act because honestly, I don't know about you, but I think uh, I know I need a second act. This pandemic has done uh, a number has done a number on the best of us, and we're need, um, we're, we need to know that the story's not over and that there's, on the other side, on the second act, there's something so much bigger and better. And so um, I'm not going to deal with the first two weeks. I think it's really important, though, if you are a guest and haven't seen the first two weeks, that you go back because they kind of build and you um, look at the first two sermons. But um, we are, we're dealing with the second act, and I want you to understand that the second act, a lot of times when we talk about it, we think about something small. And um, like, I need my finances fixed, or I need my marriage. And, and guess what? That's not really small to us, but God has a bigger second act um, that he desires for us that we're going to be talking about. And so um, today, uh, what I want to talk about um, in this third week is facing the ruins. And, you know, it, as I was preparing this sermon, I want you to see, you can probably see this right here, um, this structure, this Lincoln Log structure. Uh, Lincoln Logs have kind of gone out and come back in, but it was one of my favorite toys growing up. But I'm going to be honest with you, I was horrible about building. But I have an older brother, Peter, and he was great at building stuff, great at building these major structures with a Legos, great at building major structures with Lincoln Logs. And then he would just take these blocks and books kid books and he'd build these structures and he was so good at building this stuff and he would have all these like um trap doors and um secret entrances and I would be and I was horrible at building so um you know I always wanted to play with his structures now every time he built a structure he would say don't you dare touch it and my mom would say don't you dare touch it now, how many of you know when somebody tells you don't do it, the first thing you want to do is touch it. So um, you can imagine what would happen is, is I would start playing with these structures of my brothers and somehow, some way, I would ruin it. I would break it. It would be in rubble. And then um, what I would always do is I'd run away. 
I don't know about you, but I would run and hide because, you know, I didn't want to deal with the fact that I caused these ruins. I didn't want to face the ruins. And in fact, I would take it a step further. What I would do is um, I would talk to my brother and try to distract him so he wouldn't go into the living room to see what I had done. I was so intent on not facing the ruins, I took steps to make sure I walked away from it. I stayed out of that room. I made sure that I distracted him. And I know right now you're saying, wow, um, Pastor Josh was a jerk for a little brother. I, I kind of was. <laughs> Honestly, I kind of was because I continuously did this. But here's the kicker. I'll take that. But I'm not alone. I'm not alone because the truth is, is you may not have broken somebody's Lincoln log structure. You may not have knocked down somebody's Lego structure, but you and I both have ruins in our lives. We both have knocked down some, some Lincoln log structures tech, you know, um, we've messed up some stuff. We have ruins. And just like me, guess what? Um, most of us like to walk away from them. We don't like to face them. We like to try to figure out how to get around it. But here's the problem. If we're going to have a second act, if we're going to have a second act, we got to face the ruins. See, I can't get to one of the steps in the process of getting to that second act is facing the ruins. And so today what I want to do is I want to um, answer one big question. And the big question is simply this. How can I face um, the ruins my ruins, our ruins, so that I can have a second act? That's the big question I wanna answer. But in order to answer that, I was struggling because I thought maybe I could just answer this question, but I'm gonna answer it by answering some sub-questions, okay? Um, because they'll lay out the steps. We're gonna look at Nehemiah 2, and we're gonna start laying out the steps of how can I face the ruins, right, to get the second act, and we're gonna start seeing some things that need to happen in order for us to do that. And in order to answer the big question, we're going to answer three smaller questions, and then we're going to go back to the big question. The, the first sub-question is this. What do the ruins look like? And see, I, in your mind, and in my mind, I might have an idea of the ruins, but I think when we look at this scripture, we're going to see that there is a, is a major ruin that causes a lot of the smaller ruins. And then the second question that I want to answer is, is why do we struggle facing the ruins? See, I ran all the time um, as a kid when I did these ruins and I didn't want to face them, but we do that too as grownups. And then third, um, I want to answer this. Why must I face the ruins? Why do I have to come back and deal with the ruins? Why can't I just move on? Well, you got to face the ruins. And then we're going to come back to that big question. How? How do I face the ruins? How do I face the ruins of my life so I can have a second act? And so if you would, let me pray. And I got a lot to share and we're going to jump in. I'm excited. But Father God, we're just grateful for you. We're grateful for your word. We're grateful that we don't have to stumble along in life, that your word always has the answers. Your word always has the steps. Your word, which always leads back to you, um, is, this, is this great uh, we just have this great roadmap, and Lord, that we would continue to dig into it. Even today, we ask that you, God, would do some kingdom business in each of our hearts as we begin to understand and then face the ruins. In Jesus' name, amen. So now remember, the big question is, how do I face the ruins? But in order to do that, I want to talk about some sub-questions. And the first one is, is what do the ruins look like? And like I told you from the beginning, we're going to be looking at Nehemiah chapter 2 now. If you can turn there or pull up the, your Bible app and go there. And I want to, I'm going to be dealing really with the, um, 
mostly the beginning verses, the first eight or nine. I'm going to jump to 17 in a little bit because I want to, it obviously answers one of the questions. But let me just give you a paraphrase, um, the first verse. Um, Nehemiah, there's some wine being brought to the king. Nehemiah gets the wine, takes it to the king. Nehemiah is um, like, uh, like you heard in the first week that he, he had this great position. Even though he was a captive, a slave, he had this, he was raised up high and he had all these privileges of being in the king's court and, and, and spending time in the king's presence. So he takes this wine to the king. And then in verse two, the king's like, hey man, you look down. I, I have never seen you like this. And, and, you know, Nehemiah is like, yeah, I am down. And this is Nehemiah's answer. The king asks what's going on. And in verse three, Nehemiah answers it by saying this, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruin and its gates have been destroyed by fire. So now we are starting to get a picture of what seemingly the ruins are for Nehemiah and for the Israelites. What seemingly is the ruins is this city, right? The temple, the banks, if they had banks, you know, the homes, the farms, the wall. The, the gate. And so for Nehemiah, it seemingly is something physical. But I, I want to slow us down and, and, and I want to walk through this a little bit because I think we're going to understand that that's, those are smaller ruins. When we, when we start talking about the Israelites in this city, we have to understand that this city um, was a promise from God. This land was a promise, right? That they would have a promised land that they, um, to Abraham, he said, your descendants will be great. You'll have these, you'll be a nation. Most nations, by the way, have a, have land that they're on. And then he tells Moses when, when he's bringing the people out of Egypt that I have a promised land for you. And so understand that the city, while it is buildings and while it is gates, um, that it, there's something much bigger going on here that the city represents something much bigger. Now, now before I tell you that what it is, the bigger thing, understand that, guess what? When the city got totaled, guess what? A lot of things were ruined. Marriages were ruined. Can you imagine? Because when the city got ruined, they, they got put into captivity. Not all those marriages survived that captivity. Probably a lot of them didn't. They were in slavery. And so you can imagine marriages got ruined. Um, if the bank got tore up, guess what? My account, I don't even have an account anymore as a slave. Um, um, friendships, I used to have um, little Johnny and little Ray Ray and, and, and you know, and Lisa um, to the left. And now that's, that, that neighborhood is gone. So those friendships and community is a ruin. I used to be a carpenter, but now I'm a slave. My career is ruined. You can imagine all these things, the, the smaller ruins that were happening. Right? Communities were ruined. The temple was ruined. Um, there was physical, emotional, mental ruin because of watching their city laid low. Well, they didn't, but their um, ancestors did. But being in slavery, captivity, there was all of these ruins because of the city. But here's the kicker. The city was not about their jobs, their careers, their families, their community. The city was about um, what you hear a lot in Exodus, I will be your God and you will be my people. The city represented this relationship with God. It, it, it represented the promise that God had made them about being a nation, the promise that God had made Moses about them having a promised land. It represented a, a relationship with God. 
And so when the city was ruined, it wasn't really about the city. The reason why the city was ruined, here's the answer. The reason why the city was ruined is simply this, um, because the, there was a ruined relationship with God. You see, they had walked away from God. They had said, God, talk to the hand. They had said, I don't want to hear what your word has to say. I want to do it my way. And so um, what happens then is now the promises of God, God made these promises to them, the protections of God, the purpose of God, which is all tied into the city in the relationship with God, are now lied in ruins. And so when the relationship with God was ruined, the city was ruined. And when the city was ruined, families were ruined, um, bank accounts were ruined, friendships were ruined, community was ruined, I understand, but those are smaller ruins um, because of the big ruin, which was a relationship with God. And so really when I'm talking about facing the ruins, I understand that some, look, I've done a whole lot of counseling in this, in, in, in this pandemic with, with marriages. I understand that's a big thing. I've talked to a lot of people who are in financial straits. But let me say this to you. I can at least, if I'm honest, say about 80% of the time when I have a conversation with somebody in this pandemic about ruin, about 80% of the time I can tie it back to their relationship with God or lack of. Or I didn't want to do virtual service, you know, so I just kind of was in this steel pattern and somehow drifted off. Right? They didn't really mean to walk away, but uh, they didn't feel like virtual. I just want, they wanted to be in person. And so understand this, that the real ruin that Nehemiah is going to have to face, that the people of Israel is going to have to face, the real ruin that I think a lot of us have to face in the middle of this pandemic is this relationship with God. Where is our relationship with God? Is there distance between us and God? Do we still want to do God's way? Do we still want to hear God's word? Um, um, do we still think that um, having a relationship with God is more important than anything else? And so the big ruin, the ruin that I really think we need to face most of the time, that, do, that is the cause of a lot of the smaller ruins, is a ruined relationship with God. Here's the thing. Um, I told you about my brother. I told you that I was tearing up his stuff. I just love picking this up. I'm sorry. I don't know why. Um, but listen, here's the thing. This being knocked all around and it being in ruins in the living room was not the real ruins. Uh, I want you to know it was ruined. It was an issue. Um, it actually then became a bigger ruin that my relationship with my brother, because now all my brother wanted to do is beat me up. I know, I know y'all don't know what that looks like, but you know how you don't really want to tell mom. You just want to get him in the closet and beat him up. Maybe y'all didn't have that kind of relationship, but I had done this enough where, you know, it, it was time to hem me up in a closet and maybe get a few hits, you know. Um, so now he's angry. He's sad. He's all these other things. But I'm going to tell you what the real ruin was. See, my mom was the ultimate authority in the house. My mom is the reason why I had food and even had a house. It was able to live in a house. She was the ultimate authority. And I chose not to do it her way. I chose to say, talk to the hand. I chose to say, I heard you tell me not to mess with my brother's stuff, but I'm going to do it anyway. Just like the Israelites who had this ultimate, the ultimate authority was God, and they made a choice not to. And yeah, there was all these smaller ruins, but the big ruin was um, the, the distance that was happening in their relationship with God. And so that's what the real ruin looks like, and that's what causes all these microcosm ruins. So that leads me to the second question now, right? 
That leads me to the next question, which is simply this. Why do we struggle? If, if these ruins, if my relationship with God, which is so major, is, is causing all these other ruins, why wouldn't I just want to fix it? So why do we struggle facing the ruins? And I think we can find that in verse 3 of Nehemiah, um, or I'm sorry, verse 2, because what Nehemiah um, says Watch this. The king had asked him a question, and um, actually, it's in verse two. Sorry, um, I had not been sad in the presence in his presence before. So the king asked me, "Why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can not can be nothing but sadness of heart." Listen what listen what Nehemiah says, or at least he's thinking. I was afraid, very much afraid. I was very much afraid. See, the king asked him a question and, and Nehemiah is going to have to answer. And we saw what his answer was. He said, my city's in ruin. But, but Nehemiah, before he breaks into telling the king the answer, he's dealing with fear. He's afraid. And actually it says, I was very much afraid. Let me say something to you. It's one thing to be afraid. It's another thing to be very much afraid. What Nehemiah is saying is my fear was afraid. You ever been in a position where your fear was afraid, where your fear was telling you this is a bad idea? You ever had that where your fear is speaking to you like, bro, we about, this is about, I, I'm out. Your fear is about to leave you because it's afraid. Where you were shaking, where you couldn't even get words out because you were so scared. Nehemiah's fear was afraid because he knew that if he um, got into this conversation with the king, what was going to eventually have to um, be talked about was, King, you need to let me and my people go. Uh, yeah, that's a hard ask because they're enslaved. They're, um, you know, captives. And, and, and even though Nehemiah is living kind of large, not all his people were, but even this, he was, a, he was a major part of the king's court. So letting him go would be a problem. And then Nehemiah was going to have to, he's going to have all these needs in order to go back to the land that he was going to have to ask about. So he was afraid. Can you imagine looking at the king and say, you need to let some of the free labor and me go? That's kind of scary. And I think that we too, and here's the answer to the question, we struggle with facing the ruins because we're afraid. Because like Nehemiah, unlike uh, Nehemiah dealt with his fear and moved forward so he could go deal with the ruins, a lot of times our fear stops us. And it could be fear over a lot of things. First of all, um, I think Nehemiah might have been afraid over um, the fact that he was about to, what you heard in the first sermon, he was about to um, give up this high position. He was living good. And guess what? He didn't know what it was going to look like if he left. How many of you know a lot of times we, if it's comfortable, we don't, we're afraid of that comfort being changed. <laughs> giving up something and having to deal with the unknown. But here's a, let me give you a list of things that we're afraid of outside of the comfort, outside of um, having to step out. Um, a lot of times we're afraid of rejection. If somebody, if we go and deal with the ruins and people see the ruins of what, of what we did, there can be a rejection of like, I can't have this person in my life. They tear some stuff up. Some of you were already saying when I told you that I tore my brother's stuff up, you're like, "Woo, I'm glad he wasn't my little brother. See, you were already rejecting me. Um, what about this one? Abandonment. Here's another one. Um, I'm afraid that people, uh, uh, I'm afraid of being rejected. I'm afraid of reliving the hurt. How many know that with the ruins, there's hurt, sometimes hurt for you, sometimes hurt for other people. How many know that a lot of times it's hard to relive it? 
Um, what about this? Reliving the shame. I really messed up. And every time it seems to get brought up or I have to deal with the ruins, I have this shame. Um, how about this one? I, I'm afraid of dealing with uh, the scars. What about that? Or, or um, here's the thing. Maybe if I start dealing with the ruins, um, people won't forgive me. Here's one more. Maybe we think the ruins are too big for God to actually help us fix. See, whatever the reason is, whether it's for comfort and we don't want to give up that, Nehemiah was living large, um, whether it's for fear or people seeing our sinful nature or, 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 or not wanting to deal with the hurt, whatever the fear is, understand this, that a lot of times what holds us back, what holds us back from facing the ruins is fear. And let me just right now say something that I'm going to deal with a little more later is a lot of times we wonder even if God will reject us. And I want to say this statement and I'll say it again later because we need to understand this about the second act. God, Jesus came for the ruins. Jesus is not afraid of our ruins. We are. Jesus is literally not afraid for our ruins. He wants to deal with the ruins. He wants to walk with us to those ruins. And so we need to understand that. Fear holds us back from facing the ruins. So that leads to this third question, which is, why must I face the ruins? See, I'm afraid, so now I don't want to deal with the ruins. And so now my question is, is I don't really want to deal with these ruins. Why? Why do I really got to deal with these ruins? Explain why I got to really deal with these ruins. And I want to look at verses 17 in Nehemiah 2. Now, understand, let me give you a little context before I jump there. Um, Nehemiah had talked to the king. Remember, he's afraid, but he did talk to the king. Um, he had some big ask of the king, and I'll get to that in a little bit. He asked the king for a lot of things that he needed in order to even get back to Jerusalem, the ruins. And then he asked for a lot of things that would allow him to help rebuild. Okay. Um, but now they're back in Jerusalem and it, it's basically nighttime and he's walking around this city and he's looking at the ruins. That's what's going on. And here's what he says as he, um, you know, looks at these ruins. He turns to his people and he says this. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in? Jerusalem lies in ruins and, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. So now that, that helps us answer this third question with why do I go back to the, why do I have to face the ruins? Here's the thing. Um, first of all, you got to go back to the ruins because you got to assess. You, you see what Nehemiah is doing here is he's assessing the ruins. He's saying this needs to be fixed. That needs to be fixed. Oh, that's a bigger problem than I thought. Um, a lot of times we don't even really understand the fallout of things that we do until we see the ruin of them. And that's why we don't like to deal with them, by the way, because sometimes it's much bigger than we thought it was. Right. We're like, oh, they're overreacting. It wasn't a big deal. And then you go back and you see that a whole city's laid low. And you're like, yeah, maybe they were underreacting. Maybe everything got tore up because of that decision I made. But that's not the real answer, but I, I wanted to say that answer. I wanted to help you understand something. That you cannot assess the damage and what it's going to cost. And what's so interesting about that is in Luke 14, <laughs> we're in this parable talking about building. And, and here's what is it said. It's saying, for which of you desire... Um, for which of you desiring to build a tower does not first 
have to sit down and count the cost. See, um, that if you're going to build something, you need to, or rebuild something, you need to have thought through um, the manpower, how much money it's going to cost. You got to lay out a plan. You got to um, assess the situation. Um, we got to go back to the ruins because we got to assess what happened so that we can figure out what needs to happen. But that's not really the answer. I just, been, that's been really sitting on me, so I wanted to say it to you. Um, the real answer to this question is simply this. The ruins are the only place that we can rebuild. When you talk about rebuilding, how many times have you heard somebody say, I'm going to rebuild this and then go build it somewhere where the original thing wasn't built? It makes no sense. Now, it does happen from time to time, right, where somebody rebuilds something, they rebuild it in a totally different spot. We've seen that. But that's not normal. That's like a 1% of the time when somebody talks about a rebuild that they go build it somewhere else. Um, a lot of the time, when we talk about rebuilding something, we have to go back to the original structure and look it over and then say, we're going to rebuild this. Right? Um, I, I live in Detroit, and we're in the middle of rebuilding Detroit. We're not going to rebuild Detroit in Ohio. This is that stupid. We're going to rebuild Detroit. We're the original Detroit. We're going to think about, we're going to assess and do some things and, you know, and say, oh, that's messed up or that neighborhood, and we need to rebuild this or do that. See, here's the thing. Um, the land which Jerusalem was built on is this promised land for them. This is their, the city, and the city represents this ruined relationship. They had to go back to their land. They're not going to build it on somebody else's land. Um, they're going to have to go back to the original structure of that city, assess it, and then start rebuilding that city. That's really what a rebuild means. If you don't build the, on the original thing, it's really not a rebuild. And so we got to go back. Check this out. Um, in my, uh, my breaking my brother's stuff all the time, ruining his structures. Here's the thing that what would happen. So I would bust it up. I'd run off. I'd try to divert. You, you understand what I'm saying? Um, I realized he was going to be hurt. He was going to be angry. I realized my mom was going to be frustrated with me because I'm not following rules. And she doesn't want to always put the hammer on me, but she's going to need to. Um, and that, that was going to... Um, but here's the thing. Every time it went down, guess what would happen? There'd be all this rubble in the living room. And guess what? My mom would say, Josh. If it was really bad, she'd say Joshua Jacob. That, that's why I knew it was about to go down. Um, so listen, my mom would, and guess why she was calling me? Because she was calling me back to the place where the ruins was. She was calling me into the living room so she can say, look at this. Look at what you did. See, I, I needed to see what I had done. I needed to see the pain on my brother's face. I needed to assess how this wasn't really about a toy that was being broken, that it was much more. And then I was able to see her frustration. I was called back. And here's why I had to go back, by the way, is I had to clean it up. I, I was going to get whooped. I was going to get whooped. I know some of y'all don't believe in whoopings. And in my generation, we got whooped. I'm sorry. I hate to tell you that. And it worked out just fine for me. I didn't like it at the time, but um, it worked out just fine for me. And so I would get spanked. But then here's the other thing. I had to clean it up. What's interesting is, is until I cleaned up those blocks, my brother Peter couldn't then take them and rebuild. I had to clean them up and put them away. And then he'd come and he would never rebuild until it was cleaned up. Then he'd come and take, and then he'd start rebuilding again. I had to go back to the ruins. I had to go back and deal with it. I had to go back and see. I had to go back and clean it up. Whew. Let me say one more statement, and then I'm going to come back to the original question, which is why, right? How? We're about to get to the original question, but let me make this statement to you. 
without recognizing the ruins, without facing the ruins, recognizing the ruins, you cannot start rebuilding. And if you don't rebuild, you cannot have a renewed relationship with God and renewed worship. And when you don't have renewed worship with God, he cannot reinstate his promises, his purpose, think about that, and his protection. See, we want the protection of God. We want the purpose that God brings, right? We want the, pro, you know, um, we want the protection and we want the promises and we want the purpose, but a lot of times we don't want to go back. Till we face the ruins, till we look at the ruins, we can't rebuild. And when we don't rebuild, our, the relationship with God is not rebuilt. And, and when the relationship with God is not rebuilt, um, he can't reinstate promises, protections, purpose. That leads me now, now I can answer the overall arching question. How? Now I get it. I get that the big ruin is my relationship with God and there's all these fallout things. I also get that I'm scared a lot of times to deal with this, but I need to. I know now I got to go back in order to rebuild. So, okay, how do I do this? How do I do this? And in verses five to seven, I'm only going to read four and five. And I'm going to paraphrase seven and eight, but understand, and we're going to get this answer. So let me read for you in Nehemiah four and five, and then I'll start to give you three things we need to do in order to face the ruins, to to continue down um, the path of the second act. Right here it is. The king said to me, what is it that you want? So now Nehemiah says, I hear the ruins. I'm brokenhearted about it. Um, I'm kind of in need. The king says, well, what do you want? Then I prayed to God of heaven. So he, see, remember he says in prayer, he said, before I ask him for this big ask, I need a God to intervene. Then I prayed to God of heaven and I answered the king. If it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city of Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. There's three things that Nehemiah does in order to um, really start to face the ruins. The first is, is he seeks an audience with the king. Now, I know in the first week um, uh, you heard that he was usually in the presence of the king. Okay, but in this case, he's now now he's standing there and he, he has a choice. He can just say, nah, I'm not going to talk about it. Or he can seek this audience and begin this conversation. And here's the thing. I know that Nehemiah was dealing with this king. But we need to be seeking the audience of King Jesus. What's interesting is last week, guess what you talked about? <laughs> prayer. Prayer. And, and prayer, being, having a conversation with God, right? Um, being in the presence of God. We need to seek an audience with the King. You know, one of the things when, when relationships, marriages are not doing well, one of the things I ask them to do simply is because usually God is nowhere to be found in the relationship at the time. I ask them to do two small things. I ask them to get a Bible app, look at the scripture together every morning, talk about it. Just take five minutes and say, what stood out to you? See, because now we're, we're getting back to God being the center. And then at night to just pray. In the morning to say, what can I pray for you about? And then they pray together about the day. And then at night they, you know, they're asking, what, how'd your day go? How can I pray for you? And so just by instituting five minutes of prayer and five minutes of the word, I tend to see relationships get a little bit better because they're now seeking an audience with the king. Seeking an audience with the king. Number two, 
Be honest. See, if I'm in the presence of the king now, be honest, right, with the king and ask for help. Be, see, a lot of times we like to think that we can just pull, we can do it on our own. Just tighten up the bootstraps and we can get it done. No, you can't. Jer I mean, um, Nehemiah couldn't even get there without being released. He needed to be released to go. And then guess what? In verses 6, 7, 8, he starts asking the king for all this stuff. He says, I need um, you to give me this um, rite of passage. I need this. I need you to write out this thing so I'm safe. I need you to um, um, get, help me get some materials to rebuild. I need you to send some of your soldiers. I need you to release my people. It, Jeremiah begins to ask the king for help. How many of you know that it's Jesus who gives us help? It's Jesus who can set us free. It's Jesus who can help answer some of the issues of your marriage. It's Jesus who can um, give you the resources you need to get to this second act. We got to start asking, being honest and asking the king. And here's the third thing. Last thing. Nehemiah doesn't go back alone. He does not return to the ruins alone. He returns with his people and a whole cohort of people. A lot of times, one of our struggles is we try to go back to the ruins alone without help. We need to be in um, fellowship. I want to say that to you again. You need the church and fellowship. You need people. You need small groups. You need to not go back to the ruins alone. Maybe the ruins are so big you might need counseling. Whatever the case may be, you should not be returning to the ruins alone. We need others to help us along. Here, here's the thing I want us to think about as I, as I close out. is simply this that if we start to deal with the ruined in our, our ruins of our relationship with God, which means for them was rebuilding the city, which is a representation of their relationship with God. As we deal with the ruins of our relationship with God, as we rebuild this relationship with God, they're rebuilding the city. Guess what? They're rebuilding homes. They're rebuilding temples. They're rebuilding um, communities. They're rebuilding friendships. They're rebuilding marriages. They're rebuilding um, friendships. They're rebuilding all this amazing stuff because they are rebuilding a relationship with God because they are facing the ruins. Can you imagine if we just face the ruins of our relationship, how much other things will be rebuilt in our lives? and how ultimately God will get the glory. You do understand that when he tells Abraham that I'm going to do all this great stuff for you, that I'm going to bless you and make you this great nation, he doesn't say, Abraham, I want to bless you to bless you. I want to bless you so that you will be a blessing to others. Wow. We need to face the ruins in order to face, um, to rebuild so many things in our lives. Let's pray. Father God, I'm just grateful for your word. And I am, if there's somebody um, who's watching right now who does not have, never had a relationship with you, I'm, I'm asking them to pray with me. For those who have walked away, Lord, like the Israelites, that they would pray with me this simple prayer. Father, I, 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 God, Jesus, I need to face the ruins by building a relationship with you or rebuilding a relationship with you. Please, please. I'm asking you into my life to help me build or rebuild this relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, I'm excited for the rest of this series. Stay tuned in and face the ruins. God bless.